What is up, Fat Guy Forum listeners? This is Gourmet with a quick note before we get into this week's episode. A couple things. First, I am very excited that this week, two new things are happening. One, this episode features the updated Fat Guy Forum, Fat Guy 5 questions. Two, if you are a member of the Patreon, the after show starts now. So this week, going forward, will be the brand new Fat Guy Forum after show exclusive to Patreons. So if you are not signed up, Check out the link in the the notes of this episode. Get yourself signed up so you can get access to that extra content involving this show. I'm excited to finally getting it launched and in your hands. So let's move forward with that. That'll be exciting. And if you're not into Patreon and you still want to support the show, don't forget we have the affiliate links in the show notes for Redmond and Kettle and Fire Broths. If you use either of those codes, that helps support us keeping the show on the air as well. So that's all, my friends. Let's get into it. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the next episode of the Fat Guy Forum. This is your host, Gourmet, and I am happy to be with you once again. We are inching ever closer to the 200th episode of the show, and I could not believe it. This is going to be episode 199, so we're right on the precipice, so I'm excited for that. But I'm also excited to finally be talking with today's guest. We have had some starts and stops trying to connect, but we're finally sitting down together today, so I am excited to bring you his story. His name is Greg Afanador. I, I asked him how to pronounce his last name right before the show, and that's usually when I start to second-guess myself and say, did I remember it properly? So hopefully I didn't butcher your name too bad, Greg. How are you doing today? It's perfect. Perfect. Thank you. <laughs> good. How are you doing? I'm good. How about yourself? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm glad we're talking, man. So let's get into it. Tell us, what qualifies you to be on the Fat Guy Forum? Man, well, um, I guess... Um... On the inside, I'm all. You're once you're a fat guy, I think you're always a fat guy <laughs> forever. But um, at least on the inside. Um, but um, yeah, I was you know an obese kid since I was a baby. And um, for me, I know um, everybody has a different path on your show, which I love because everybody kind of explains like how they you know get to where they are now. Um, and for me, it was it was weight loss surgery in uh, 2017. It was a gastric bypass. Um, and at that time I was probably a little bit over 400 pounds and I'm currently, um, I bounce around between like 210 and 220 mm-hmm. now currently. And I've been that way for probably the past, um, four years or so. So you got to over 400 pounds. Like how, what do you think kind of brought you to that point in your life? Um, you know, there was a lot of things. I think it was, um, uh, probably like a lot of, uh, repressed, like, um, feelings. I mean, of, of course I've had therapy, like, you know, in the years after and before that, and then in the years after, but, um, you know, I, I grew up gay. So, um, I think that was like the, the biggest thing for me is, um, even though I, like I came from an accepting family and that it wouldn't have been an issue that way for me, I didn't want to be. So it was kind of like, um, a way of control, I guess. Um, I could control what I ate and it was kind of like a, a comfort thing as well. Yeah. Well, I think our, our relation in a lot of ways, you know, all of our relationships with food can take us to a similar place, like you said, but it could be a different journey that gets us there. Right. And we use food for different reasons. And sometimes we're not conscious of it until after we've really been working on it. You know, it's not exactly. like in the moment, you know, okay, this is why I'm doing this. Like, do you think, were you at, you know, at points, like, were you conscious of your size? Was it something that you were like, conscious, you know, continually aware of and, and 
you know, trying diets as you were growing up or was it more that was who you were and that's what you accepted? No, I would, I, I was very much aware of my size, probably at, at way too young of an age. Um, I remember, um, when I was little, I would go to play with my cousins and, um, you know, like people would make comments saying, you know, like they would all get popsicles or whatever. And you'd have somebody saying, well, you can't have one cause you're fat, you know, like, so I, that was probably when I was three, four years old. So at that point, I always knew that it was an issue. And so for me, if even to this day, I still have issues with my body um, just because it's like a constant thing that I heard every day, pretty much. Do you remember the first time that you consciously tried to lose weight? Um, yeah, I was probably, um, it had to be probably sixth grade. Um, in elementary school, it's kind of seemed like everybody was friends no matter what. And then you kind of get to sixth grade and I think... Mm you know, you get the, those personality changes of kids where they're, they want to be bullies and, and things like that. Oh yeah. And at that point, I think it was a, like probably sixth grade is when I tried, it was more like a conscious thing of trying to lose weight. And was it, was it in response to bullying or was it more, you started to realize that you were different than other kids and wanted to, you know, fit in? Like where, where do you think it really came from for you then? Yeah, it was, a, it was absolutely a, a response to bullying. Mm. Just trying, trying to fit in with the other kids and, and, and whatnot. Oh, understood. And from there, though, obviously it wasn't like in sixth grade, you, you lost weight and that was the end. No, I, <laughs> I never really lost anything. I think probably yeah. by the time I, w I graduated high school, I was probably 350 pounds. Like, you know, so it isn't like it, it came off or anything like that. It was probably, you know, I probably thought about it and obsessed about it more, but I think the the feelings of the bullying, it kind of, you know, I still ate to mask those feelings. So it didn't really, I was conscious of it, but I wasn't starving myself or anything like that over it. So as you were saying, like it, your concern over, over your weight and your body was still there, but your weight continued to increase. Like after high school, was it some, did you ever, because let me get on tongue tied for a second and ask yeah. the question I'm asking. So we know that when you had, you know, kind of the, or we're going to, and we're actually going to talk about when you had surgery and kind of went through that post, the post-surgery journey and where you've been, you know, mm -hmm. past couple of years, did you have significant weight loss attempts before the surgery? Yeah. Um, probably, um, I would say the best time I was probably, and this is actually when I just actually came out. I came out like like later in life, probably like 25, I was 25. And at that time, I think that's kind of when, like once that weight was kind of lifted off of me, it kind of helped me eat better and kind of take care of myself a little bit better too. Um, so I did have a, a stint there where I probably lost, um, maybe, where was I? 125 pounds. So I think I was down to like my lightest before bypass was probably 275 ish was probably the lightest I was ever was. Um, and that was probably during my mid twenties. And that lasted probably until I was about 30. <laughs> and then, which, yeah, which was going to be my next question. Like what, what do you think 
you know, now being able to look back at it and obviously having probably having done some work, you know, you talked about your experience with therapy and kind of diving into feelings and, and everything there. What do you think prevented you from keeping it off? Um, I think there is this, there's like, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's, if it's like an overweight person thing, but I, I see a lot of other people struggling with the same thing as well. I think a lot of us are like people pleasers and we want to do things for people at the sacrifice of our own time and our own things that we want to do. Um, and I think that when I started learning to say no to people and that, and that, you know, this is what I have to do every day and I have to go work out every day or, you know, it's four days a week. I can't do what you want me to do. Like, so this is, I told people in the beginning, I'm like, just think of this as me being at work during the day. Like, no, I'm not going to come and do this. I'm not going to do that. You know, this is my time that I need to take for me. And once I started doing that, I was able to, to kind of like figure out that, you know, it's always that cliche thing that everybody says, you know, you get to put yourself first, you know, is the kind of a thing. And, but once you start doing that, you do, you, you're kind of able to maintain it and kind of figure it out. Well, it, it's a cliche and a lot of oftentimes cliches are exist for reasons because they are real. You know, it makes sense. And making a significant change to your health takes focus. You know, it takes that mental bandwidth. And if you're the person who's always putting other people first, and and I, I think sometimes people hear when, when you have these kind of conversations and they think, well, you're, you're saying be selfish and don't care about other people. And it's like, well, no, there's, there's, there's a big divide between giving all of your attention to other people and taking care of yourself. Like there's not, it's not a selfish place. It's realizing like, there's only so much and you know, you can do for yourself if, if all you're doing is taking care of other people and their needs and, you know, responding to things that they need. And yes, it's good. It's great to be there for people, but there are times where that crosses the line from being there for a person and allowing that person to take more from you than you should be giving them because then you're taking away from yourself. Exactly. I mean, I mean, my day is, you know, like it's, when you think about it, your time is given up to people all the time. Like, I mean, we were stuck at, at least I am, I'm stuck in the office for, you have your eight hour day, plus your commute there, plus your commute home, plus, you know, you're going to the grocery store, then you got to walk the dog, you got to make dinner, you got to do this. So that's all time that's pretty much given away that you have no control over. So when you start saying, no, I need another hour and a half for just me, sometimes people have an issue with that in the beginning. So you kind of have to like, you do lose people as well in the beginning. Um, some people come back, some people don't, but it's, um, it's almost kind of like setting boundaries. And some people don't like those boundaries. Oh, for sure. And and I think part sometimes it's even well intentioned on their part, like because they're also the people please like from their perspective, they're also the people pleaser. And so like if they were kind of raised in that place of, you know, put others before yourself, and then they see someone that they perceive and not as not doing that, just push back. Like it's almost like a natural instinct. Like and I think, you know, another question that kind of comes up for me in it, like, do you think part of it too is because I, I, I think there's something about we we have experiences in our lives that shape us and shape our habits and shape our relationships to our bodies and to food and, you know, to people and all of those things. And we can get resolution on those things. And sometimes they're traumas and sometimes they're not. But, you know, you mentioned that that place of, you know, after you came out, you know, the literal weight 
was was kind of lifted from your shoulders. Do you think at that point too, the habits and behaviors were were ingrained? You know, so it's like things that at one point were driven by those feelings now are just a part of your nature. Yes, one hundred percent. And I think that's where like when I came out, I didn't go have it didn't go to therapy at that point. It it was. Um, my mother actually passed away when I was 31 and that's probably when I weighed my most is what, that's when I, you know, I put on more weight at that time. Um, so when I started going to therapy it was probably maybe a year after that, um, uh, maybe two years after that. So it, t- it took a while for me to kind of figure that, that aspect out. Yeah. And what, what brought you to surgery? you know, in terms of seeing that as your option and deciding to make that choice? Like, was it you had hit a point where you just knew you needed to do something? Or was yes. it a series of pieces? Or was there a triggering event? Like, what? because, you know, listening to this show, you under, you know, you, you hear sometimes a person says, you know, I knew I needed to do something and it finally got fed up, you know, hit that hit that point where I knew if I didn't do something, something bad was going to happen. And sometimes people have a very specific moment where they're like, I know that this was the moment I knew I needed to make change. Like, what did that look yeah. like for you? Um, so for me, like, um, okay, so after I started going to therapy, I started going to the gym again. So I was probably like um, like 32, 33 years old. Um, that was one of the things that the therapist said, you know, like, focus on you and your health and, you know, things like that. And, and it, it, it does make you feel better about things and, you know, help with your mental health. and um. So I did that for years. I probably worked out six, uh, well, four to four in the morning, uh, five days a week. Um, I would work out and I was never able to get, I think the lowest weight I was ever able to get was 305 pounds. And I was never an inactive person. I was always hiking on the weekends. I work on cars. I am cutting grass and like, you know, I'm constantly doing something and I would, I would even watch what I ate probably 95% of the time. And I was just never able to get below 305. And it was like, it, it kind of almost makes you feel like, um, okay, well, I'm working my ass off every day. And I do watch what I eat. I am active on the weekends. And it's just not happening. And I think at that point, like after three years of doing that, um, you kind of just give up. Yeah. And so, um, are you still there? Oh yeah. No, I'm here. Oh, sorry. I thought it might've cut off, but, um, so yeah, so I kind of gave up. And at that point is when the weight kind of, it came back so fast, probably in less than a year, I was probably close to my 400 pounds again and then get, you know, creeping over it. So, which I think is a, is a common experience for people, you know, as they're, as they're on these journeys, like that, getting to that place where you feel like you're doing everything that you can and you're not, and it, it's different because like, you'll see people, you know, you're, you're active on social media, you know, you'll see people be like, I'm in this terrible weight loss stall. You know, it's, I'm stuck. I can't, I'm doing everything I need to do. And then you find out like they've been stalled, you know, I'm, I'm doing air quotes here at home. You know, there's no video for people, (laughs) but it's been a week, you know? Yeah. And it's like, okay, you know, and then you try to help that person realize, okay, it's just been a week you know, don't give up on yourself. Like, but then when you are in a place where, you know, like you said, it's not just a week, it's months, it's years. 
And it's, you're also in that place of feeling like I'm doing all of these things. These are all the things that people tell me I should be doing. And, yeah, I'm, and I'm not seeing that result. I remember working with a trainer and being like, okay, well, do less cardio, do more weights and um, change what you eat here, eat less carbs, eat more carbs, eat, you know, like, less, like, and it was just constantly like, changing things, trying to figure out, okay, well, what's the formula that's going to make the weights are coming off again? Because if I'm technically only eating 1500 to 2000 calories a day, and I'm burning off 2000 calories a day at the gym by like 1000 calories on the treadmill and weights and this and that, like, every single day where to me, you know, when they always say, Oh, it's just calories in and calories out. But if you're burning more calories and you're taking in, like, why is it coming off? You know, like that is that kind of thing. Oh, and, and that's the easy bandaid that people want to want to throw out there, you know, that it's simply calories in, calories out. And there are some very well-known people, you know, on Instagram and social media who, you know, will die on that hill of, that's the only thing that you need to, th you know, the only thing that you need to do is, you know, burn more calories than you're taking in. And it's the laws of thermodynamics. And if you're, and if you're not, if you say you're doing that and you're not losing weight, you're lying. You know, it's yeah. the place they go right to. And all of that, you know, and are, are there people that probably think they're doing everything and they're not? Of course, like we're human beings. We convince ourselves of a lot of things at times, like, but to live in that place for a long time. I can understand that frustration and it like, you know, the, the phrase is giving up, but really it's saying I'm investing all of this and I'm not getting, I'm not seeing the result that I should be getting from this investment. So why am I putting all of this energy here? Like, I think that's a rational human response. Is it the right response we should have? Of course not. Like, but it's what we go through and it's how we respond to it. And, you know, so I do understand like being in that place. And like you said, when you're putting weight back on, it's a little bit different than the first time you're gaining it. It can happen really fast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's shockingly fast. And even now, but that I've had since I'm not supposed to be able to eat a lot, but I can, you know, so um, like I could gain 10 pounds in a week, like so easily, like nothing. And, it just takes a month to lose it again, but I can gain it really easily. Right. And, and that's the part of it that I think one on some levels defeats that simple calories in calories out equation, you know, and let you say that, yes, at the core, is that what's probably, it's probably about, but there's more going on, you know, biologically there's more going on and you're right. Like I, <laughs> the sheer number of people that I've had on this show that have lost a significant amount of weight. And they talk about it. You know, I have, I have one friend who's been on the show before who I, I comes to mind immediately for me. He knows, you know, he's in the keto space like I am. And he knows that, you know, he has these planned kind of off plan days where he's very into specific types of foods and cereals for one thing. Cereals from around the world is a big thing for him. He knows he'll probably wake up the next day 15 pounds heavier. And then he's going to take a couple of weeks for that, you know, mostly water weight to go away. But yep. the human body is fascinating, what it will do. And when it's fascinating, it's another F word. It's frustrating. And mm -hmm. there's only so much of that frustration that you can take. So I understand kind of being in that place of giving up and then seeing the weight come back on. What then was the catalyst that brought you to the next step? Um, I think just, you know, lo looking at the scale and, and realizing that, you know, like, 
<laughs> I think it, like mentally I was like, okay, I'm in the threes. It's okay. But I think when this scale went over four, I was like, I, it, it's just not, I can't do that anymore. Um, and I was probably, uh, like 39 years old. And I, you know, in my mind, I'm like, okay, well, once I get over 40, you're never going to be able to lose this weight. You know, like you're getting older and everybody says, you know, the old, as soon as you get over 40 or as soon as you get over 50, it's, you know, the weight loss, you can't do it anymore. It's hard. And so I was like, well, I have to, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it now. And, um, so, you know, I work at a, in a hospital system and they, um, they actually offer bariatric surgery to their employees. So I went to the, one of the, um, seminars and, um, I think it, I was, yeah, I was probably 38 at that time. It took me about a year to finally say, all right, I'm going to do it. Um, and then when I was, uh, 39, I ended up going ahead and have it, having it done. But it, yeah, I debated over it because I kept saying in, in myself, okay, I lost a hundred pounds before, you know, I can do it again. You know, you have that back and forth thing. And then I'm like, that was 10 years ago. And then I'm like, am I going to wait another 10 years? I'm not going to, now I'm going to be almost 50 or like, you know, when is it going to be the right time to do it? So, so I was like, just rip off the bandaid and get it done. Yeah. So like you said, you know, it was a year before you had the, you had before you had the surgery uh what was your experience like with the surgery uh you know i i kind of feel bad saying this but it was extremely easy um and i know a lot of people struggle and have issues with it afterwards and but i literally had it on a tuesday i went home wednesday um you know, I, I asked, I asked the doctor, I'm like, can I go home? And he's like, well, you have to drink the, you know, this big glass of water to, and then we have to scan you to make sure you don't have any leaks. And, you know, before we can let you go. And I'm like, all right, fine. So I drank the water and, you know, a couple hours later I was, I was going home, but, and, you know, I had no, a little bit of nausea that they give you pills for. Um, but I was literally helping my friend, you know, lay a, a floor uh, the following Monday. Um, so it, it wasn't really horrible for me. Um, which is okay. Yeah. And, you know, and like, I, <laughs> I don't like telling people like, cause I feel bad. Cause I'm like, some people are so sick, you know, afterwards for months they're struggling. And I'm just like, when I had the surgery, like right before I went in, I was so angry that I was even to that point of even needing to have a surgery that afterwards to me, I was like, I don't care what happens. It, whatever, I'm going to do whatever the doctor tells me to do. I'm going to follow every single thing that he tells, you know, that the dietitian says, and I'm doing everything. And I've been that way ever since. Like, and I think like that's to me, it was what made it easy is that, that, that anger in me yeah. is that I wasn't going to fail at, at this again. And I, and I think you hit on something that's important that a recent guest on the show brought up, and that's often, you know, yes, complications happen that are way outside of the patient's control. You know, there's no, you know, there's there's no, you know, complication shaming or anything along those lines going on. But I think when you hear from people that have had kind of the smoothest journey with weight loss surgery, their level of compliance is is on point. Yes. And, you know, and again, a- no, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Um, I, yeah, I have um, a coworker, and um, she recently had gastric bypass, and she like she asked me like, you know, 
kind of questions like was it easy for you i'm like it was easy for me and it can be easy for you too but you literally have to follow every single thing that doctor told you to do you know like this this whole thing of like sneaking in sugar well you can't do that you know for a certain amount of time it is going to make you sick and i did experience um like probably a month after surgery um you know, I wasn't even probably to the stage three yet of having the hard, you know, the most solid foods. Um, but I went to a wedding and I was like, you know what, I'm going to have a piece of, of cake. I mean, it's just a, you know, a, a fork full of cake. It's not going to do anything. It, that taught me right there <laughs> that never to do that again. And, and, and I, there's a part of me who, um, I was like, you know, that's kind of the best thing that happened to me is that how sick I got off of that because it kind of was like, this isn't a good thing for me. It kind of made me have that trigger in my brain where I'm like, eh, you know, you don't need that anymore. And what, how, you know, because obviously with, with everyone that you talk to that's had weight loss surgery, you know, kind of the after period is different. Like, what was it like for you in terms of weight loss? Um, so... In the, probably the first month, I think I lost 33 pounds in the first month. And the doctor actually wasn't, he didn't want me to lose weight that fast. Like he was like, you're losing weight too fast. So he's like, you have to find a way to, to get more calories in. His big, biggest thing was he does, doesn't like when his bariatric patients lose. He, he, he feels that it's, that they have better long-term success if they take the weight off slower. Um, he's like, if you get into that situation where you're like, you've lost 150 pounds in nine months, he's like, he thinks it sets you up kind of for failure. Like you almost kind of think the whole time is going to be easy like that. And for me, it took almost two years to get down to my, well, my goal weight, which he never really gave me a goal weight, but um, it took me about two years to get down to a weight that, I was comfortable with and he was comfortable with. And um, so, yeah, I, th I think that advice of him telling me to add an extra meal in, um, drink an extra protein shake, slow the weight loss down so that way it's more of that one to two pounds a week, like anybody else would lose weight. Um, do it that way. So there's that way you have a longer time to learn how to eat properly. Um, cause if you're, if you, you're fast and furious about it and you only take, you know, nine months to, to lose this weight, you kind of get like ballsy at that point where you're just like, well, I can almost eat whatever I want now, you know, like the waste can still come off. Yeah. It's still going to come off because your body is kind of like, um, it, you have that motion thing for going on for the 18 months to two years. So you're not, getting the full calories of what you're eating. Um, but after that point, after that 18 months, two years, you're still getting all the calories again, you know? So you kind of mentally learn how not to eat that much um, during that time. So the more time, the better is just take your time with yeah. it. Well, it goes back to that place of using the tool properly, you know, and understanding that all weight loss tools can be used improperly. And if you don't approach it from that place of this isn't just about from when I'm getting that benefit, you know, that magic, you know, time where the absorption rate is different and you're really healing still to when your body now is back in a place of 100% caloric, you know, absorption, 
if you don't do the work to kind of retrain yourself and work on that relationship with food and your relationship with yourself, you're going to be right back where you were on day one of the surgery because the surgery can't, the surgery does a lot for a person, but it doesn't do all of the work. Exactly. That's very true. And I, and that's a hard thing sometimes, you know, because you hear that from people, you know, I, I mean, I have friends and clients and people who say, you know, this person said that if I just do this, if I just get the surgery, I'll never have to worry about food again. It'll just take care of everything for me. And I'm like, I would see that as a red flag, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Look at, <Food>. please connect <laughs> with, please connect with people that have had long-term success with the surgery and listen to yeah. what they did. Listen to what they went through, you know, listen to the interviews they've given, like understand that it's because as much as like, you know, you know, this kind of being in the, you know, we always talk about communities on social media, like being in the, in the community of people that have had surgery, there are people on the outside who love to point at surgery and say that it's, you know, it's an easy way out. It's a quick fix. Like it's all of these things. And the reality is very different. And if you're someone who's within that community and you're taking the tool lightly, it's almost like you're feeding that fire. Yeah. And you know, I, there's a part of me, like, I'm not mad at those people for saying that because, you know, in, for that first year to, you know, 18 months to two years, it does come off easily. But the thing is after that point, like right now I could gain weight just as quickly as I did before. It has nothing like the surgery is kind of, yeah, it's there. I might not be able to eat like three slices of pizza in one sitting, but I could eat three slices of pizza in an hour, you know, you know, so I would just spread it out, you know, a little bit longer. Um, so it, it does kind of take off the weight quickly, but you can also gain it back really quickly if you don't learn what to do in that after the 18 months. Well, it's a physical tool. It's a physical barrier. Yeah. Like it's not just <laughs> weight loss surgery is not mental. You know, it's not brain surgery. You know, it, it is, you know, the person's experience, you know, there's a physical barrier to the amount of food that you consume, all of those things. And that is different than someone who hasn't had surgery and is, you know, at the same starting point in their journey. You know, the experiences are just different. It doesn't mean one's better than the other. They're just different experiences. And like you said, like, I, I think being compliant and understanding the process is just so important, whatever tool you're using, but, you know, really specifically, if you're having surgery, Take it as seriously as surgery really is. Yes. No, for sure. And so, yeah. no, and ahead. the same thing I've also had, like, with when it comes to like plastic surgery yeah. too. Right? It's, that's the same thing. Like, I took that very seriously. The doctor told me don't work out for four months. I didn't work out for four months. You know, as hard as that was, um, you know. But I, you, you want the best results you can get, and that's with the either the weight loss surgery or if you have skin removal afterwards, you want the best results. So listen and be compliant. Yeah. And that's where I wanted to turn to next, like in terms of like the next kind of step in your, in, in the kind of the mechanical side of your journey is that you've had, you have had plastic surgery, you, you had, or plastics, you know, is, is that what the kids say? I, you know, yeah. <laughs> I'm very, you know, I'm a little bit older than you. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm catching the lingo. Um, but what did you have done and, and what was your experience like with that? So I had, um, uh, 360 lift. Um, I also had, uh, a minor chest lift that was done kind of under my armpits. So it didn't have any scarring on my chest. Um, I had liposuction. Um, I had um, uh, BBL um, and muscle repair in my abs. Mm -hmm. 
Which is something that I don't think that specifically, the muscle repair in the apps is something I don't think a lot of people talk about, you know, when they're talking about plastic surgery, like there's an impact there, you know, after weight loss that sometimes people don't think about. Right. And, you know, I didn't think about that either. Like when I went to go see the plastic surgeon, you know, he suggested it and I'm just thinking to myself, I work out constantly and I'm constantly doing crunches and, and then he explained to me why, you know, you you know, like when you're bigger, of course, all that stuff gets stretched out. And so, yeah, you might do ab crunches now, but it still doesn't, you know, take care of the tearing and whatever that happened, you know, over the 30 years before that. Right. And what was your experience like with the surgeries? Like, give us a, give us some of the nitty gritty in terms of the pain and recovery and, you know, what, what is that like? So there are people listening that are like thinking about doing it. You know, I get questions all the time. Like, have you had anyone on the show that's had plastics done? Like, what has their experience been? So I'd love you to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, of course. Um, so I actually had my surgery done in um, Tijuana, Mexico. Um, and it wasn't done. And, you know, a lot of people ask me, oh, you went there because it was cheap? I'm like, no. <laughs> I went there because um, I actually work for, you know, I, I don't, I should probably shouldn't say the name, but it's like a very large healthcare facility in Cleveland, you know, we'll just say the name like that way. And, um, you know, I went, went and saw their plastic surgeons and I could have got a 20% discount from them, you know? And I, the first thing that I did when I went to go see a plastic surgeon is, can you show me before and afters of men that you have done? You know, like everybody shows pictures of bodies of women with great looking snatched waists and big boobs, but I'm not looking for that, you know? So um, I need to see pictures of men and they would be like, oh, you know, men are, you know, very similar anatomically. And I'm like, "Mm, they're really not though. You know, like I'm not looking for that. So I I would like somebody who has experience doing men's bodies. So after just doing research online um, and going to different, like, you know, there's tons of weight loss surgery groups and then there's plastic groups that spin off of those. And so I ended up finding um, a plastic surgeon in Tijuana and I started communicating with him and he would, you know, he showed me all kinds of things would give me, you know, people to talk to like men that he worked with directly, you know, that I could talk with and, you know, get their opinions and things like that. Show me their before and after pictures. And, I just felt comfortable with him. Like I felt like he knew exactly what I wanted to do. Um, he wasn't trying to change my body. He wanted to, to make it look how it would have looked if I didn't, if I would have never been overweight. Like that's kind of what I wanted. Um, and he understood that. And um, so, yeah, that, that was my path, but the surgery itself. Um, and this was a kind of like a bonus. I wanted to go to him, but, having surgery in Tijuana, like, you know, compared to the United States, the work I would have had done here probably would have been done in two or three different procedures. They wouldn't have done it all at once. Um, they, I, I don't want to say that it's like a, a greed thing, but if you're a physically healthy person, there's no reason why they can't do those surgeries all at one time. You know, like there's, they want you to come back over and over again here um, for, different things. And, um, then they also send you home the day that same day, um, to kind of fend for yourself. And whereas in Tijuana, I was there for seven days after the surgery with 24 hour nurse care. They came in three times a day to change my bandages. They came in to, 
um, helped me get in and out of my um, compression suit and, um, you know, whatever I needed, they, I had somebody just a buzzer away, you know, to help me with things. I even went to Tijuana by myself. Um, I didn't have any companion. I was just like, I don't want anybody to waste their time off work to sit with me for eight days. Um, I could just, if I'm going to have a nurse 24 seven, what do I need a person there for? Um, and I use that time to kind of relax as well without having to worry about entertaining somebody and are they okay? And, um, so I thought the process was extremely easy. They treated me like a rock star from the time I landed in San Diego. till the time I got on the shuttle, when they dropped me off at the hotel, there was, it, it was, they had to have it down to a science. Um, the, the hotel was beautiful. The hospital I was in was amazing. Um, I couldn't have asked for anything better. And I was actually kind of shocked that it was as nice as it was, but, um, yeah, I couldn't have asked for anything better. And I would, I would go back in a heartbeat. And what was, what was the recovery like, you know, not just there, but after like, so I was there for eight days. Um, so it was, um, I went there, um, flew there on a Monday, had my pre-op on Tuesday, surgery on Wednesday. And then I was there for, um, so I was actually there for nine days. Um, and then I was there for seven days after that. The last day you do your post-op visit, and that's when they kind of um, see if they can remove your drains and, and whatnot. Um, they kind of remove the stitches from my arms at that point. Um, the stitch on my lower back had to stay. Um, but the recovery there, like most of the time, by the time you're going home, the, the only thing you have left to do is remove a drain and, um, possibly like a couple stitches on your, on your lower back. Um, but coming home, um, my, my husband's a nurse. So that was like one thing I was like, well, when I, if once I get home, like I have, have it made, I have somebody who can remove my stitches and I don't have to worry about it. Um, but they pretty much give you all your medications or, or you travel with those back home. Um, they give you a bunch of extra supplies to take back home with you. Um, and then I did see a plastic surgeon here when I got back. Um, Cause they did want you to follow up with somebody. They're like either a primary care or somebody they want you to follow up with somebody. Um, and so I did see a plastic surgeon once I got back here who was, extremely impressed he said with the work that they did and um i had a little bit of a, a wound opening on my lower back that came probably four weeks after the surgery and um so i went back to see the, the plastic surgeon and he was like well he's like it's completely normal he's like it's it all it is is drainage that needed to find a way out and he's like that's all it is, is the opening is just to let additional fluid out and um He's, you know, he was just like, pack it and keep it covered for a couple weeks and it'll be fine. So, and, and it was, but he said the, the work was done great. He said he didn't see anything wrong with anything and, and I haven't had any issues. It was great. That's awesome, man. And I think, you know, it's good to talk about the mechanics of it all, but I think there's, you know, kind of bigger picture pieces to all of this. You know, the idea of not only losing weight, but going through, uh, the surgeries that you went through, um, and that's, you know, to just talk about like your relationship with your body. And, you know, I know one of the things that you, you kind of shared with me in your pre-interview 
you know, was experiences with body dysmorphia. Like, how has your relationship with your body, you know, changed and grown over this time? Um, it's it's funny because like talking about it, I would think that like if I could imagine like what I would feel like before I had the skin removal and the plastics, I would think that, okay, once I'm healed from that, like I'll be good. I'll be like, I won't need anything. I'll feel completely satisfied with my body. And that is just not the case. Like, um, I don't, it didn't make me feel any different. Like the, the relationship I have with my body is still not great. So I I don't want anybody to ever think like that once they do this, they're going to feel great. Or once they do this, they're going to feel wonderful about themselves. And I think that that kind of, you can feel that way about yourself before you have this surgery. I think that's more of, it is more of a mental thing. Like, I think you need to kind of be happy with the fact that you're healthy and the fact that you're alive every day. That's like, and the things that we can do now compared to what we couldn't do before, you know, like that is what kind of, I have have a shift now in my mind that that's more like is what makes me happy is it the physical aspect part i'll never be happy with that um i think that even even after having plastics i still my body's still covered with stretch marks from head to toe um i still have like my inner thighs aren't perfect and you know there's there's things that that you know aren't perfect and um so i think that that relationship with my body it's it'll always be a struggle, but it's not the driving force anymore. Like I don't care as much about it. You know? Um, I think that when you're overweight, everybody can see it, you know? So now I can at least when I'm wearing clothes, nobody knows anything like, you know, like, so it's kind of, you feel better about it that way. But when I see myself, you know, after I shower or whatever, it's like, obvious to me you know that that i had a weight issue before like you could still see stretch marks and you can see the scar around my waist now and you know it's it's still there which is fine i mean it's just a reminder of where you were you know and i and i think you hit on something really important and that's that you know our relationships with our bodies it's not something you have you you wait until you hit a certain point and you then you can start working on it like and also the, you know, because it's one of those things, too, where it's like losing weight doesn't magically change everything and make every issue that you've ever dealt with go away. Uh, you know, and I think sometimes people still, you know, as much as people talk about it and say that's not true, still believe it to be true or I, I think want it to be true. And, you know, I, I think there's, you know, I have this discussion with people all the time and it's that, you know, the most important thing I think a person can do when they're if they do want to make change to their body, you know, they want to work on their health for whatever reasons, like you have to love yourself where you're at. And sometimes I think that that gets distorted by people, you know, with perception of that statement, because they think that means love and accept exactly where you're at and just stay there. And that's, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is like, in order to do the work on your, on your, you know, to change your body, change your habits, work on your mindset, all of those things, you have to love yourself. And that, self includes your physical self. Like you have to care enough about your body to be able to do the work that's needed to make change, like to find that focus and take action and all of those things. And like trying to do it from a place of hate 
you know, it's something I cringe at. You know, I, I was talking about that recently on this show. Like when people talk about, you know, I get up every day and I'm going to kill my clone or, you know, the, I'm fighting the person in the mirror. And I'm like, oh, they're coming at it from that place of self-hate. I just feel like can eventually be a dead end because you can only dig so deep in that well. I think I think a lot of us are, are were, have been tainted by, you know, just the the media and movies. And, you know, you see these people who have these like um like a transformation story, you know, like you, that movie Just Friends, um, you know, where he's like overweight in high school and then he comes back and he's like this successful, in shape, thin, good looking guy. And then, you're, you know, there's a other show called I think that Insatiable where like she breaks her jaw and has her wired jaw wired shut and now she comes back to school and she's like the hot chick now you know so you're kind of tainted and you're thinking like well this is going to happen you know like i'm going to i'm going to be the the hot person or i'm going to do this and you know i i do look completely different than than i what i did 10 years ago 5 years ago but it doesn't feel that way you know I, like i can see it in pictures but i you don't your internals do not change like as much as it to as much as you think you're gonna have this transformation story you might have it physically but you don't mentally you can't like i can't keep up with with that you know like it's it's not who i am well at the same day no matter what changes you make it's still the same but you know the same body yeah it may not be the same size the same shape all of those things but you're still in the same body and you're if you hate that body one day just because you make changes, you're not going to magically fall in love with your body. Like there's going to be things that make you happy. You know, there are going to be, you know, especially when you're dealing with, you know, you know what it was like being 400 pounds, like now being able to move through the world differently and have different experiences that weren't, you weren't available to you before. Like, yes, those are fantastic things, but you don't magically all of a sudden get happy, you know? And I, I think that's one of the things like I, if I could hammer anything home to people that listen to this show is realize that, when you listen to a guest who ends up talking about that they're happy now, the change they've made to their body is only a piece of that. It's, you know, it's more about the mental transformations. It's more about, sometimes it's more about that physical transformation, giving you the bandwidth to be able to make the mental transformation. You know, like you were talking about with learning to say no to people on some levels, when you learn to say no to yourself, that can be a big thing. You know, when especially you're someone that struggles with food issues and, you know, giving up on yourself. When you learn to, to love yourself and take care of yourself and show yourself the care that you need, I think that's what takes you leaps and bounds closer to the place that we all want to be. Yeah. And it, and it helps you in so many other aspects of your life too. Like, um, it's like financial decisions, like it just that learning to say no. And, um, it, 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 like in figuring out the whole mental aspect, it helps in so many other things where the physical change doesn't help you at all in those in those it's all mental and i think once people figure that out is when when they become successful long term yeah it's it's realizing that losing weight isn't the end all be all of your existence you know and when you make it the end all be all of your existence is when you run into other problems you know and and like you talked about you know people that have surgery who don't who aren't compliant with the way they need to be after the surgery nutritionally and and, and all of those areas they can lose the weight, but they, do they end up in a place where they can actually then live their life going forward in that same place? Like, you know, I think that's a big part, <clears throat> excuse me, of the mental work that every person, you know, who wants to 
make any kind of change in their life, whether it's to their body, their relationships, their work, you know, you need to do the work. That's not just going to help you get to that place, but it's going to help you stay in that place. Exactly. So what, what are the things that keep you going forward and keep you on track? Um, for, for me, it's, it's, it's a feeling it, like I, I just feel good. Like in, in, um, you know, I, I've told other people before as well that, you know, a lot of, there's so many people who say like, um, oh, I feel, feel like I'm in my twenties or, you know, I, or, or I never felt as good as I did when I was in my twenties. And, and to me, my twenties, I was 350 pounds. So it's like, Feel way better now than when I, than my twenties. So I want to just keep it going for as long as possible. So that motivates you to work out every day and and eat right and um, you know it it just it it just feels good to wake up in the morning and not be in any type of pain or or anything like that. Like I I feel great and you know not it's not bad for forty four years old. You know mm-hmm. so. And what are the things that challenge you now? Um, hmm. I would, uh, wow, that's a difficult question. Um, you know, food, it, my relationship with food isn't a challenge anymore. I can say that. Like, I, I literally almost eat the same thing every single day. Probably for the past five years, I've eaten almost the same thing every day. Um, I, I, uh, wow, it's tough. Um, well, maybe another way to phrase that is, are there, are there goals that you're working on now still? Yeah. Um, I like, if, if, to me, it's more of like, um, like, I guess not like, I definitely want to maintain my weight and now, you know, you would love to have, you know, I would love to build muscle and my, build my chest up and build my abs up and do this and that. But to me, the, um, my goal is to just learn to just be okay with being imperfect. Um, and I think that, um, this is another thing about growing up overweight is that I was always obsessed with my weight and then, now that it's gone and I have, I'm not like a rich person, but I have access to things, you know, as an adult, you know, I can go have plastic surgery again if I wanted to, (laughs) you know, like, um, and it's kind of like learning to just be okay with who you are and okay with the imperfections. To me, that's more a goal of mine now is just being okay with that. Which, which I think is something that every person struggles with whether they're conscious of it or not yes and i I think i've i've kind of become conscious of it um and you know it's it's another thing too like i think your relationships change so much um after you lose weight um it's you you always hope that it doesn't happen to you or you don't want it to happen you know there's people that um I don't know if it's a, if it's a jealousy thing or if it's just the fact that your lives are just, are different now. Um, but you do lose friends. Um, and, um, you know, like in the beginning, even like your marriage might be a little bit tougher, you know, like, 
um, we're good now, but it, it did, it was rougher. Like a, we did have like a rough patch um, where, you know, you're, you look completely different. You're, you're not the same person. And um, even mentally, you're, you're a completely different person. You're more active now and you want to do things and, you know, and your partner has to kind of catch up too. Work is different. Like I, I feel like opportunities have opened up for me that I've never had before. You know, and that's new. And trying to figure out how to how to navigate that, um, um, it's it's different because you kind of you like it, of course, but then you also kind of feel like shit. I was just as hard of a worker before. Why does it, it didn't matter before, but now it does? You know, like kind of a thing. Well, it teaches um, you lessons about perception. Yeah. For sure, it's messed up. <laughs> no, I, I don't. I don't think there's anyone that would disagree with that. And even some of the people that disagree with that are people that suffer from those misperceptions. You know, I think it just is such a big part of us. And I think you're right. Like there are, and sometimes it's it's not even necessary because often when you you have those experiences where relationships, you know, whether it's friendships or romantic relationships or whatever it is, change after you've made change to yourself, people immediately want to, you know, kind of be by your side and say, well, it's because they're jealous. You know, they're jealous of what you did. They want it for themselves and you you did it. And it's like, well, I don't, I think for some people, sure, I'm sure that happens. Um, but I think it also has more to do with, you know, our lives are like these intricate puzzles and we fill spaces in other people's puzzles. And when we change, our fit into that space changes. And sometimes that's okay. You know, like being okay with that is, is one of the hardest things, like realizing that more changes than you think is going to change just because your size changes. Yeah. It's funny because like the friends that, um, that are, a lot of the friends are still around now. There are one, the, the, you could tell that they're true friends because they'll say like, Hey, I was freaking jealous for a couple of years, you know, like, like they'll tell you, but the one, there's also ones that like you haven't seen now for a couple of years you know, you don't know what they think. Like, who knows? Like, but like you said, you're, it is, it is like a puzzle. You just don't fit in their life anymore. And you know, it's okay. It just, you just move on. I mean, it goes back to something I say a million times on this, this podcast, you know, the biggest challenge in our lives is controlling the things that we can control and realizing that often that means we can't control other people. Exactly. You know, we can't control how they react to the actions we make. We can only make our actions, you know, take actions from places that we know are good. And if we're doing that and someone responds to it in a negative way, that's a choice they're making, you know, exactly. then we get to choose how we respond to them, you know, which is the, <laughs> the harder, the harder thing sometimes for people to grasp is, you know, you not only get to choose your actions, but if someone reacts to you and you don't like the way they react, you can choose to say to that person, I don't need to be around that reaction. I'm going to take myself yeah. out of that space. And that's hard. Yeah. And you know what? I think that that's something that I learned too over the past couple of years is that, um, is that, is that whole thing of like not accepting certain things anymore. Like I just, I don't feel I have to anymore, you know, like, um, and, it, and it's weird. It's like, kind of like, I, this was like a hard, it mentally, it was a hard experience for me. Like I, I will admit it wasn't physically hard for me. Um, but mentally it was. And I think that that kind of makes you stronger where you're, you don't want to, you're not gonna put up with people's BS anymore. Like you don't have to, you know, like I've already been through something harder. Like your drama isn't going to bother me anymore. You know? 
Well, and I, I think one of the things that doesn't get discussed a lot that is a reality is, you know, as, as human beings, we can all be people pleasers, but when we are significantly overweight human beings, we sometimes play more into that because we worry about judgment and people rejecting us for our size and, and all of those sides of it. So when that changes, you know, that can just, it can just be so, you know, of course my, my brain is farting, but you know, it's, it impacts not just how you see yourself, but the value you put on yourself and the value you put on your time. And you realize that some of the things you were doing before that you thought you were doing for reasons might not have been for the reasons that you thought it was for. Right. Like, yeah, it's, it's weird. You, you really do. It's, it's not just a physical change. That's part of it, but the, it's the mental change is so much bigger than the physical. Um, and I don't think people really understand that until after, and it, it, it's taken me probably years, you know, to finally, to figure out, Oh my God, I am, very different than I used to be. And no wonder my husband took a while to catch up, you know, like it, it, it he took a while to catch up. Um, I was different, not bad. I didn't like, I be, right. didn't become like a bad person, but I'm just not, I'm just different. So, well, and that's, that's the thing is like change is something that can be negative and can be positive, but at the core it's change. And, you know, for, I, I think like if you, if you talk to someone who's on day one of their journey, you know, to lose a significant amount of weight and you ask them why they're where they are on that day one, their answer will be different from what it would be five years after they hit their goal, you know? And, you know, I have a friend who was on some of the early episodes of this show who, you know, his big thing with people is always saying, you know, you don't really en- understand what you went through until you come through it. And, right. you know, I just think that that's, that's true for all of us. And it, gives us perspective and it allows us to make decisions based on that perspective. Yeah. And, and I think that's like, um, I, I've noticed this a lot with like people who had bypass surgery or who've lost a significant amount of weight. Like after you come through it, you want to help so many other people, you want to, you know, you're one of like, no, like, don't do that. I can tell you how to do it. Like, you know, and kind of like encourage them because you, you, you have bad months, you have bad weeks. There's always bad times through this, the whole process. And I think just getting to those people and selling them, it's okay. It's mm-hmm. happened to me too. In another month or so, you'll feel completely different. Just keep going. You know, like that's kind of, I think what a lot of us are trying to do, you know? And Greg, if anyone listening does want to talk to you about that, or even just follow along with what you're doing now, where do they find you? Um, Instagram's the best. Um, and it's a uh, Greg's uh, fat to fit journey, and there's underscore underneath uh, or in between each word. Um, so um, Greg's underscore fat underscore to you know, mm-hmm. and I'll put a journey. link. I'll put a link in the show notes so they can yeah. Find so that that's the best place, sure. and you know, like I I try to respond to as many comments as I as I can on there, and um, if people DM me with anything that they have, because there's things that they don't want to talk about online in front of everybody. That's completely fine too. And I don't come at it as like, I'm some expert. Um, I'm not a doctor. I don't, I have not trained in anything. Um, it's just, just personal experience. If you have any questions or, um, just need any encouragement, you know, like I, I will help as much as I can. Great. 
Well, Greg, I want to say a big thank you for coming on the show today. I really appreciate you sharing your story with the audience. Of course. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Definitely. And I end every episode with five questions I call the Fat Guy Five. Are you ready for your run through those questions? Sure. (laughs) Okay. So, Greg, question number one, living or dead, who is your favorite fat guy? Um, John Candy. I like it. Yes. Question number two, Greg, tell us what is something about yourself that you love? Um, I just think that like, um, I've become like really accepting, uh, over the past couple of years. And I think I like that part about me now. Like, I'm, I don't know. I feel like I'm more laid back and just more accepting of things. I like it. Question number three, man, thinking about the journey you've been on, what has been the most important new habit that you've built? Um, I think making sure you're accountable every single day. Like, um, it does not mean that you're going to be perfect every single day. It just means that, um, not letting it get away from, from me. Like, um, like I, I weigh myself every single day and I want to be accountable for that. Like that's, that's my accountability. Every morning when I wake up, my accountability is on that scale. Did I gain a pound? Did I gain three pounds? Did I lose a pound? I want to make sure that it doesn't get to the point where it's like 30 pounds or 20 pounds. Like I want to know every single day where I'm at. So I know what I need to do that day. So I think just taking, um, being accountable for myself every day. That sounds, that's a great perspective, man. Question number four, what's a goal you have for the next year that is not health, fitness, or weight loss related? Um, I want to, um, go and get my real estate license again. Um, I had it years ago and, um, you know, I ended up getting a job like in the hospital and, and ended up letting it go. Um, but I want to get that again, um, and do that, you know, at least part-time on the side. Um, and I also want to, um, like work with a vocal coach and learn to sing again. I was actually like a really good singer, like in high school, but, um, you know, like I grew up knowing that there was a reality, you know, that I was never going to be a singer, you know, like, especially a 350 pound singer, who's going to, it's never going to happen, you know? So I knew that that wasn't going to happen, but I, I love singing. I just kind of like put it away. Um, but I want to learn to sing again. So that's the main thing. Nice. Those are both great goals, man. I think that sounds awesome. Yeah. And Greg, question number five, last question on the pod. Tell us what is a message you'd want to go back and give to yourself on day one of your journey? Um, well, I think we kind of we kind of talked about it earlier. I just wanted to, I wish I knew when I, at a younger age that, um, that you have to accept your body as it is that day. Um, like this, the whole thing of waiting, you know, like I'm going to, I'm going to wait, um, until I get to this weight before I dance at a, at a wedding. I'm going to wait till I get to this weight before I take family photos, you know, like things like that. I, I wouldn't, I wish I could go back in time and, and be in the family photo and dance at a wedding. I think that I missed out on so much. My family did not care but I thought everybody cared, you know, and I missed out on a lot because of that, of that telling myself that I'll just wait until I get to a certain point before I do it. Understood. And that's a, I think it's a great point for us now that we're wrapping this, this episode up, 
Greg is going to be joining me on the Patreon after show, so remember that if you're not signed up for Patreon, you are missing out. So get yourselves on there and then come join us. Greg, uh, one more big thank you for coming on the show. I really appreciate it, man. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you having me. It's great. And like I said, Greg's information is going to be in the show notes, so connect with him. And if you want to connect with me and you haven't already, one, I'm wondering, what are you doing with yourselves? Um, two, you can find me on Instagram at Gourmet Goes Keto, Twitter at Gourmet Goes Keto. You can email the show at thefatguyforum at gmail.com and all that jazz. Then, my friends, remember, go out there, do something today to amaze yourselves because you're the most amazing people I know. And then catch us here next time on the Fat Guy Forum. And that's going to be episode 200, so you don't want to miss it. Mm-hmm.